This is the ATM at the Minute Podcast, episode 201. We're back from a couple-week hiatus. A lot going on for us, but we're here. We're excited to talk about the three things we're talking about today. NFL free agency. We're going to do a who won NFL free agency draft. Talk about some losers on the back end as well. Then we're going to do a little March Madness review, hit some of the overarching themes, talk a little draft stock for some of the standouts or guys who had lackluster performances. And then we're going to close the show with a little collective bargaining agreement need to know because the NBA just finalized a new CBA and there are some big time changes that will affect the competitive, help me with the word here, I mean, the landscape balance. of the league, it's its yeah. going to change. There's some major, major changes coming. So a lot yeah. more fun to talk about than it might sound. Not just contract Absolutely. stuff, but also got the midseason tournament. Um, you're going to have a lot of different things like players can now invest in specific teams and in gambling, all kinds of stuff. We'll get to it at the end of the pod. Yep. So let's start with the little NFL. There's been a ton of moves and we haven't talked about really any of them yet. Jackson, I told you we're going to do a little draft here. I will give you the first pick. So tell me who is the biggest winner of free agency? I think it's the Chicago Bears. Whoa, I don't even have them on my list. Really? I guess. I mean, I'm considering the trade in here. Off season, free agency, lump it all together. Yeah. Yep. You pick up DJ Moore. I think that's massive for Justin Fields, that Mm -hmm. in itself. And then in terms of free agency, you add Tremaine Edmonds, which will be a big help on the defensive end. You lose Roquan Smith. I think that's going to be a nice boost to their defense. And then they beefed up their line. You know, they bring in guard Nate Davis on a three-year, $30 million deal. Uh, They're also going to be adding a few other pieces around the edges like Bob Tunyon, Dante Foreman. And they got a lot of draft picks back from Carolina where now they've got a few more pieces really in this draft where they're going to have more weapons, um, other smaller moves around the edges. But I mean, I think the biggest ones here are DJ Moore, Tremaine Edmonds, the offensive line helped, and then a couple skill guys, Tunyon and Foreman. I like the direction that this team is headed, and I think, in my opinion, this was the number one offseason so far. Interesting. Okay. So I'm with you. I do like it. I believe we talked about the trade a little bit and why we do like it for Chicago. Obviously, DJ Moore, top wide receiver available, probably in free agency and the draft. We'll see how these rookies pan out eventually. I do like them adding a a guy on the offensive line, still expecting them to go O-line in the first round this year. The Bob Tunyon helps. Yeah, Bob Tunyon and Cole Komet, and they have two tight ends that can make some plays for you. And I think the Deontay Foreman signing is going under the radar. This guy has been productive in Tennessee, in Carolina now, and I expect it to continue in Chicago. I know from a fantasy perspective, we were really excited about Khalil Herbert this year. He was someone who probably should go like six round or higher. Foreman's going to come in the fold now. I think that's going to be close to a split there. I Um, agree. They lost. Foreman's probably going to get the goal line carries too. Yeah, we'll see. Um, But they lost David Montgomery. I think they'll be just fine with this addition, and they'll probably add somebody else in the draft. That's just how. Agreed. That's the running back churn that we see nowadays. So yeah, definitely agree. Chicago are winners. I'll go for 
another team in their division with the second overall pick, the Detroit Lions. Yeah, they were on my list. Major winners this offseason. They are now number one in odds, or they're, they're the favorite to win the NFC North. Can't believe I'm saying that out loud, but Jeff Okuda, cornerback from Ohio State, they took a few years ago, is coming off his best season yet. And defense was their weakness last year. Well, they add three guys on the back end in Cam Sutton from Pittsburgh, Emmanuel Mosley, nice player out of San Francisco. And then the big one, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, comes over from Philadelphia. This secondary is completely revamped. You have two good young pass rushers. They're probably going to add more in the draft on that side of the ball. I think they are poised to win... 11 maybe more games than that this year ton the ton of talent ton of buy-in and the future is bright in detroit i didn't even mention david montgomery i like what they did a lot they got better on both sides of the ball that's no doubt yeah and they added david montgomery on a three-year deal um after losing jamal williams to the new orleans saints by the way that's a huge l for alvin Kamara. i mean goal line touches getting poached there the suspension likely coming as well. Yeah, but they've always kind of had a second back, you know, even when he was really at his best, they had Mark Ingram there as kind of that one, two punch, you know, Kamara is more of your pass catching back. He's not necessarily a three down guy. That's always going to get the goal line carries. Plus he's getting up there a little bit, but Jamal Williams led the league in rushing touchdowns. And well, I, I don't think that's going to happen again, but he's going to play. That's for sure. He will get yeah. 30 percentage or 30, 40 percent of those carries. I would assume anything else to add on the Lions here. No, I like what they did. Who you going? They were number four on my list, so okay. I'll tie on them as well. Who you got next? Funny enough, I got the Carolina Panthers, so I've got the Bears and list. Panthers. Okay, a lot of smaller moves here that might not get you really excited with just that single signing. But I mean, they bring in safety Vaughn Bell. They get him for three years. I bring in defensive tackle Shy Tuttle. You bring in Andy Dalton as just a nice locker room guy. Hayden Hurst, I think he was really, really underrated in Cincinnati. They give him a three-year, $21 million deal. Whatever quarterback they take, he is going to be a very nice safety blanket for them. Bring in Miles Sanders. They lock him down on a four-year deal. Add a center and Bradley Bozeman. I mean, added another safety as well in Julian Love. They made a lot of moves here. And then Adam Thielen, DJ Chark. They're helping whatever quarterback they take out tremendously with this offseason because, I mean, a month ago we were talking and we were like, who the hell are they going to throw the ball to? And now you got Hayden Hurst, Miles Sanders, Adam Thielen, and DJ Chark there. I mean, that's not by any means, you know, a number one offense in the league or even a top five or top ten offense, but it's not a bottom one. I would say now they are middle of the pack. They're going to give that QB options. He's not going to have, you know, DJ Moore's number one wide receiver that was there, but Chark ain't bad. We know what Thielen is. He's getting a little bit older, but he is a sure-handed guy that can play in the slot. And then Hurst, that's big as well. And, you know, I think this team has a lot more potential going into this season than I thought when they originally made that trade to acquire the number one pick. So I feel pretty good about the Panthers after seeing what they did in free agency. I love what they did. And they're a team I'm looking at in terms of win win total overs, I think they could be sneaky good depending on how much or how highly you think of Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. 
sounds like it's going to be Stroud. There's a fact that Frank Reich has never coached a quarterback under six foot two or something. He likes these big guys. I'm not reading all the way into that, but I do think it's going to be Stroud here. Yeah, he's been a heavy favorite for long enough that it looks like that will be the pick. Yeah, and the skill position adds take them from a Chicago Bears-like situation with what Fields had last year to actually having respectable veterans that Stroud can trust and deliver the ball to. So Mm -hmm. I, I do think they could win nine games this year if the one of those guys steps in and clicks because that defense they already had a lot of young talent with jeremy chin jc horn in the secondary Derek brown on the d line now you had a starting safety who's been in two straight afc championship games and von bell miles sanders just played in the super bowl and andy dalton is a great mentor to your quarterback so i think yeah. they're, they're set up for success here they kind of recruited some major losses after the DJ Moore trade. Yeah, and you add a solid center as well. So they set themselves up nicely for whoever they take here at number one. Definitely a fan of what they did. Yep. All right, let me go with my homer pick here and take the Cowboys. Yada, yada, yada. Complain all really? you want. <laughs> I do think they're winners here. For one, they let Ezekiel well, Elliott Cooks, walk. What did they do? They let Ezekiel Elliott walk. walk. That's a net positive in itself. That is a times are changing type of decision that they haven't made in years past. They're not overpaying a guy because he they're not overpaying a guy for past performance and because he meant something to the team. That is a business decision that needed to happen. Also, besides adding Brandon Cooks and adding a weapon there, you get Stephon Gilmore to be a bookend corner with Trayvon Diggs. You also bring back a few guys that were pivotal to their success. Donovan Wilson, safety, was their leading tackler last year. Cooper Rush helped them win games when Dak Prescott was injured. Tony Pollard's back, which we like there. And CJ Goodwin is one of their top special teamers. I just like what they did. I think the defense got a little bit better. And we'll see what they do in the draft here. How did the defense get any better? I mean, you got Gilmore. Gilmore? Yeah, Gilmore's not bad, but this isn't Gilmore of five years ago. I mean, this guy's what on his fourth team in four years now. I, I he's not bad, but let's not go crazy. And I feel like all the Cowboys really did was re-sign their guys, tag Pollard, and yeah, you know, Gilmore, not a bad move. I re- I, I like it. You know, I, I think he's still a starting corner in this league. But aside from that, and you get Cooks, like, what else did you do? You know, I mean, that's too. Really solid veterans. Cooks, he's got he's got a thousand uh, yards every single season he plays. So now you have CD Cooks and Michael Gallup. They did lose Dalton Schultz, but they have two young tight ends and Noah Brown who stepped in and showed that they could play last year. I'm not concerned about that at all. I just think these were positive moves for them, and the offensive line played well last year through injury. And the corner loss was their biggest weakness in the playoffs last year. Anthony Brown got injured. They didn't have anyone to step in. Now they have Diggs, Brown, and Gilmore. I think it's big. Okay. I mean, we know how bad... The Cowboys is like middle of the pack, toward the bottom, thought they kind of stayed the same. You know, I I guess it's flashy names. Flashy names with Gilmore and Cooks. I just don't know how much better they're really getting on either side of the ball. If we're looking at the quarterbacks in the NFC, we know it's terrible. It's Hurts, it's Dak, it's, true. it's Cousins, 
it's who I saw someone say Fields was the best. That is insane. That's just clickbait. Uh, but if we're talking who's going to make a run in the NFC, I think they have done enough to better position themselves for next year. Brock Purdy? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I can't deny that. Who That's fair. Next? I mean, if, if you're looking at the NFC and factoring that in, sure. I guess it's a decent offseason. Not over yet. Next, I have got the Denver Broncos. And I wasn't blown away with what they did. But when you really look at it, they add Mike McGlinchey. They add Ben Powers. Those are two solid additions on the offensive Very line. Very solid I don't, additions. I don't think either of those guys are necessarily pro bowlers this year. But Russell Wilson needs some help. What they had last year cannot happen again. The offensive line was pretty piss poor. I think this gives them a much better foundation. You also bring in Stidham, who's a damn good backup, where if something does happen with Russell Wilson, you could maybe even win with that guy. Um, bring in Samaje Ryan. They bring in defensive end Zach Allen. They add a couple linebackers, other pieces around the edges, where I feel like they got substantially better on both sides of the ball, where there's there's no denying. I mean, look at the offensive line and the moves that they made. You also had Pirine. And then on the defensive side, multiple linebackers, a solid defensive end in Zach Allen that they're paying three years, $46 million to. I just think it's a good offseason all around. Yeah, they were on my list as well. Probably would have been my next pick. Um, I, I think Sean Payton is going to come in and do some things differently on the offensive side of the ball. I think he does no want to run the ball. People kind of, I think a lot of people have the wrong perception about what the saints were in those later drew Brees years. They ran the ball very effectively. You talked about thunder and lightning Kamara and Mark Ingram. Now they add a basher and Samaje P Ryan, who's going to be a productive player for them. We don't know when Javante Williams is going to be back. I think the injury is pretty significant. He may not ever be himself again. This could be, this could not. I hope not. But I do think there is a small chance of a J.K. Dobbins situation where it takes a long time for him to get back. It was a bad knee injury. Um, yeah, so they needed help there. The run game is going to be better. I think we're going to see a better version of Russell Wilson. And like you said, Jared Siddham is a great insurance policy. And Peyton's already coming out saying things publicly that make you think. If things go awry with Russ, Sidham's going to be the starter. So I just oh, and I think-, think they also wanted a guy in the room that's going to push Russ. Right. You know, I think he's kind of had it his way with his office and all the other bullshit, frankly, that rubbed everyone the wrong way where he was just on a pedestal and, you know, thought of as totally different than everyone else didn't have to compete for his job. And I think Sean Payton's going to change that. Let him know there's a guy right behind you that can take your job if you don't step can up. Play. We've seen it. This yeah. is I think Oakland screwed up letting him go. Excuse me, Las Vegas. Yeah, this is the same move that the Packers made drafting Jordan Love. You get an MVP season out of your quarterback the next year. I'm not saying Russ is going to do that with this Broncos team, but I do think we're going to see a much better version. I think they're going to be good. Yeah, I'm a little scared. Who you got next? Actually, I'm not scared. Mahomes is a beast. Uh, yeah, Chiefs will be fine, but I do think they will at least <laughs> win nine or ten games and possibly be in the playoffs. Yeah, my list is getting shorter here. These next ones don't get me as excited, um, but I like what the Dolphins did trading for Jalen Ramsey. You're going to have a sick defense. Also, yep. they added Braxton Berrios, 
who can make some plays for you if you need another receiver. He's also a great return man, and you don't have to put Tyreek Hill back there and risk injury with him. So I like that. And then also bringing those two running backs, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, back on cheap deals. That is just smart business right there. Those guys know the scheme. They're going to be effective for Miami. They don't have a lot of draft capital, so I think they did well to maximize what they could this offseason. Yeah, the Ramsey pickup is huge. I was looking at them, and I like what they did. I think they got better, but I didn't get too excited about any of the moves they made besides Ramsey. Uh, a few others I'm just going to throw at you really quick. I like what the Saints did. You bring in Derek Carr. You finally have a real quarterback that you can build around to an extent. Uh, bring back Michael Thomas. We'll see what happens there. Bring in Jamal Williams. They add Jonathan Abram. I think that's a guy that could find a new home and start to maybe show flashes of the guy that the Raiders took in the first round thinking he could be uh, Brian Edwards, a wide receiver that could be your number three, give you something there with Carr, And then just some other moves around the edges, um, adding a couple defensive backs, D tackles. Colin Saunders I think they coming better. over from Kansas city. Mm-hmm. I think they got better. I also like what the Patriots did. You know, I, I don't really think anyone's talking about them, but, they made some decent moves. You bring in Jabril Preppers, Jonathan Jones, a lot of guys on the offensive side of the ball that people didn't really talk about a ton. Juju Smith-Schuster, running back James Robinson, tied in Mike Jasicki. These aren't home run moves, but I do think they got better on both sides of the ball. And it might be, you know, minimally, it might not be massive jumps, but I think this team will be better next year than people are expecting. Yeah, I agree. Their division is just loaded, though, especially if the Rodgers trade does go through. Um, but yeah, I like picking up Juju. I'm not the biggest fan of him, but, you know, he's still a solid player. I do love the Gasicki move, though. I have always been a fan of his. He goes there on a $9 million deal. They're going to have him and Hunter Henry. I think they're going to be able to use him and the offense is going to take a huge jump. I mean, it's not a free agent signing, but I do think the Bill O'Brien hire as OC is the biggest move they made this offseason. And we're going to see. Yeah, he can actually call plays and knows the offensive side of the ball. He's not a defensive mind trying to pretend to be an offensive coordinator. Right. We're going to see a much better Mac Jones. Speaking of that, did you see the clip or the like little excerpt about Steve Belichick and the year that he became the safeties coach. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I think you sent it in one of our group chats, yeah. and I thought that was pretty interesting. That's just a great story. So Steve Belichick was a defensive assistant, and a few weeks before the season started, or it was like training camp, Bill just goes up to Steve, his son, and says, hey, you're coaching safeties this year. And he's like, huh? I, I've never played this position. I was a long snapper at Rutgers. I have no idea what I'm doing. So he walks in the room with Devin McCourty, Patrick Chung, all those vets, and says, hey, guys, I'm coaching safeties this year. And they're all just like, huh? But when you think about it from those vets' perspective, I feel like they probably ate that opportunity up. It was just a way to not only teach him, but like teaching is the best way to improve your own uh smarts you know like yeah it probably had all of them motivated and working really well together communicating as effectively as they ever had interesting story but nonetheless yeah i do think the patriots will take a step forward 
Right on. And then last team that I like what they did, the San Francisco 49ers, they did have a couple guys that they moved on from, but they bring in Javon Hargrave, paid him a big yeah. old four-year, $84 million deal. Big they move. add Darnold, who is a nice insurance policy. And then, you know, you bring in a guy like Clell and Farrell that maybe you can turn into something. Um, Isaiah Oliver, you know, they, just a, a few pieces around the edges that I think they will find value with. Deshaun Gibson and I like what they did. I like what they did. I think that they stayed good as one. I mean, they stayed roster wise, one of the best teams in the NFC on paper. You add a guy like Hargrave. And I think the bigger thing there is you bring him over from the team that you're probably going to see at some point in the playoffs next year. Right. Uh, Agree there. My last winner is the Jaguars for getting Calvin Ridley back. That might as well be a free agency addition. You're getting a number one receiver. He's healthy. He's motivated. I think he's going for 1,200 plus next season. So watch out for the Jags. They're going to be sneaky good next season. Yeah, they got one of the highest uh, win totals, 10 and a half. Bonkers. Okay, you you said you had a couple losers. Are they the Ravens and the Rams? Uh, No, they're the Rams and the Eagles. Mm, Okay. Rams did nothing. We don't even know who half their starters are and... I mean, yeah, that is true. They, I mean, they sold their soul to win a Super Bowl, you know, and I hope it was worth it. Reminds me of kind of what the Lakers did a few years back to get AD. Like, watch out, watch out. You said they were done. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, But with the Eagles, I mean, they were able to bring back Slay and Bradbury, which is nice, but they still lost three or four key starters on the defensive end. And they also lose Miles Sanders. I just, I don't know if they're going to have enough to get back to another Super Bowl. We will see. Uh, Howie Roseman has proven to be a good general manager over the last few years. I'm not ready to count them true. out. Um, and the NFC, like it's so wide open, as we talked about. I'm a little down on them, of course, but I'm not ready to say they're not contenders next year. Interesting. Uh, with the Ravens, I want to throw this out there and get it on the record. Yep. I have a very strong gut feeling that their quarterback, starting quarterback next year, is going to be one of two people. Okay. It is either going to be Hendon Hooker or it is going to be Trey Lance. Whoa. Okay. Tell me why. Well, when you look at the draft board and you look at where Baltimore is, they're going to have to move up to get any type of quarterback. And I don't think that they're going to sacrifice the capital to try and get into the top five and get someone like Anthony Richardson. And frankly, I don't even know if Anthony Richardson is good enough for them to win in the next year or two. Anyway, he's a long-term project. They have no receivers for him to throw to. But if you bring in a guy like Hendon Hooker, who I think would have been a no-brainer first rounder if he didn't get hurt, it Mm -hmm. sounds like he's going to come back just as strong as he did pre-injury. It sounds like he's impressed a lot of teams in the interview process going into the draft. And I think he's a fit for what they can do where he does have the mobility where you can run some similar packages, but he's also got a stronger arm and probably a more accurate arm than Lamar where it gives you kind of the best of both worlds there. And I think a lot of teams will be off of him because of the injury, but I've seen some people that have him mocked as high as number five overall. So 
someone to watch. I think realistically he goes late first round and I think Baltimore could trade up to 27, 28, 29, take a shot at him there. And then when you look at the 49ers, I don't think there's any reason that you sign Sam Darnold unless you plan to trade Trey Lance. I think they're going to wait for him to come back, have a couple preseason games possibly where he balls out or maybe even just get him in camp, show that he's healthy, able to be back and be the same guy and then he gets traded. But I don't think that one happens till after the draft. I think they just needed a third quarterback because what if Purdy has a setback? Then what? And what if Trey Lance just can't get it done? Like you're going to need another guy in that room. And I think Darnold is more than capable of leading them to a winning record with that coaching, with that good defense Um, on the Baltimore thing. If they do end up trading Lamar and going in the new QB route, I would love the hooker move. Although, when Nelson Aguilar is your second receiver or, and you still don't have a lot of weapons for a young quarterback, that is a tough yeah. situation to walk into. It is. I would also say watch out for them taking Stetson Bennett in the fourth round or later. because I agree with that. Their new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, was the offensive coordinator for Georgia. So... The hooker connection, I mean, SEC, he improved over his two seasons at Tennessee. Lighten up Alabama. He can push the ball down the field. I'm a huge fan of him and the hookers. So. The guy was going to win the Heisman if he didn't get hurt. Yeah, wherever he lands, I'm willing to bet on him having success in the league. Same. All right, any other offseason notes here? Now, let's do this. Let's talk some March Madness. We previewed it. Um, some of our picks didn't go that well, but I think most people can say that. Um, Jackson, I'll let you start here. What What's your big takeaway from this postseason? Besides UConn big, is a wagon. Oh, yeah. I, I think my biggest takeaway is we should have expected this. I mean, we talked about it all year about how there was no real dominant teams. It felt like it was pretty wide open and anybody could make a run. I think it's been pretty clear that the teams who kept their core guys, they've got upperclassmen, they don't have 80 million transfers and a ton of freshmen starting. They've had success. That should have been kind of common sense. You know, a lot of this is still pretty new with the transfer portal and how many guys are hopping teams year to year. It's shown that continuity really does matter. And I think also, too, when you look at the Blue Bloods, they don't have the top-end talent that we're used to them seeing. I mean, we talked about it a couple times. I don't even know how many guys that made the Sweet 16 are going to get drafted. So college basketball has definitely taken a little bit of a different shape. It's probably good for the game as a whole that the schools that have, you know, four-year starters are still there and making pushes, making a run. But um, we should have expected this. We should have not been surprised at all that no number one seeds made it. Yeah, there's a ton of parity. Last year we had Duke, UNC, Kansas, and Villanova in the final four. All those teams were loaded with talent, a nice Mm -hmm. little mix of experience and young talent. This year there wasn't, or is the first final four without a McDonald's All-American since seeding began in 1979. I always think it's been hard to win with freshmen. We see Arkansas, they have three five stars. They get they knock off my team in Kansas, but ultimately it's it's not enough to go the distance. I think you need you need the mix like Miami had. They have two older got older guards in their fifth year or 
fourth yeah. and fifth. You need year guys there. who can weather the storm. You're, you're going to have some bad halves and some bad stretches. And the teams that are younger without that experience, it's really easy to get down 10 to 12 points and fall apart. And next thing you're down 20 and it's over. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then also with the whole talent thing, this was a weird year with returning players anyway. Like you look at the NBA draft boards and we may not have a single player that returned to college go in the lottery. I think the most likely candidates are Maxwell Lewis out of Pepperdine. He's not even in the tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. Jordan Hawkins shooting his way into the lottery for UConn. Um, Chris Murray from Iowa. I think he probably won't go just because of age. Yeah. I mean, I don't really see anyone that's going lottery. So that played out in this tourney and uh, it's been fun to watch. Yeah, it's been a great time. Uh, I'm still kind of trying to get my voice back from yesterday. That San Diego State game. Yeah. How was that? What did you do for it? You're in San Diego. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, Went to a brewery over in North Park. My boy, Mike, shout out. He works there. So uh, we all went through a few of us and watched the game. And I mean, I he was even saying and I felt the same way. I've never seen that much going on in the afternoon in any of the little hubs of part of town here because it was a great day, incredible weather. We've had a lot of rain. Oh, really? Lately, there was so good everyone... weather in San Diego on a Saturday? Bro, it's rained so much this year. <laughs> it's been unreal. This has been one of the first weekends like in this calendar year that's actually had nice weather. So people mm-hmm. were out because of that, but everyone was going to watch the game. And I mean, every single bar and restaurant you went by was buzzing and vibes are high, man. It that's, was, uh, it was cool to see Padres are in town, you know, opening yeah. weekend. It was, it was all good vibes. Well, congratulations on that. I know, uh, I've been fortunate enough to be in a city where winning's going on. Yeah, so. You actually went there, though, so a little bit different. But well, the I'll Chiefs. It. It's exciting nonetheless. You know, the Chiefs winning. True. Like, just that the, that energy you get when the whole city is bought into something together. It's it's real. Like, it is definitely That's true. Real. Uh, yeah. Hell of a shot by Lamont Butler last night. <laughs> yeah, man. It was a no, 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 yes moment. Yeah. A little over-dribbling, turning into just a getting to his spot, beautiful pull-up jumper, nothing but net. That was unbelievable. Um, I mean, I really don't have much more to talk about with the tourney. Uh, So I'm down to get to our little draft segment here. Buy, hold, sell, draft stock on some of these guys. Let's start with the UConn guys. I will kick Jordan Hawkins to you. Buy, hold, or sell. I'm buying. I think some people might read a little bit too deep into the last game against Miami, but sounds like he was pretty darn sick. I mean, sick enough to the point where he was questionable to even play. And you've compared him to Ray Allen a few times. Yeah, the guy is a silky smooth shooter. I think he is going to have a role at the next level, no doubt. And he's someone who I'm buying stock. Yeah, let's be clear. I'm not saying he's going to be Ray Allen. I think the jumper looks Allen-esque. It is beautiful. He literally, you see it very clearly when you watch him play and the way he moves off ball and gets into a shot coming off pin downs. It's yeah, very much so Ray Allen like. Yeah, 30, just under 39% from three on the year, 88% free throw shooter. That will translate to the next level. He doesn't have the all around game like uh, Ray Allen did, but in terms of shooting, I think it's clear that him and Grady Dick are the two best in this class. And I think Hawkins is a little more advanced in moving off the ball. 
he he flies around screens 100%. going full speed and gets it up instantly. I mean, he has supreme confidence, zero conscience. He is fun to watch, and that it, he's going to stick. I, I think right now he's late lottery for me. He won't be any higher than that just because I don't know what else he can do, uh, but really like him. Let's go to Andre Jackson. You th- you think he's got a case for the NBA? I don't know, man. It's tough with a lot of these guys because we've talked about this class, and once you get outside the top 10, I feel like you could make arguments for a lot of guys. And I don't know if I've seen many draft classes where from mid to late lottery down through middle of the second round, it feels like you could argue for 50 plus guys. So I think he does have a chance. Excited to see him play another game, but... Mm-hmm. It's it's really tough to say, and I've seen more parity with mock drafts this year than I ever have. Yeah, I think you're going to look at a mock draft the day before the actual draft, and from 11 to 40, those players all might go in that range, but the order could be, you know, the 15th guy goes 35, or the 31st guy goes 16. Like, it, it really is one yeah. of those years... Uh, but Andre Jackson and Donovan Klingon, I think they have real cases. Jackson is just a jack of all trades, works his ass off on defense, good passer at the forward position. So I would say, you know, maybe he can go second round or some team will give him a chance. Klingon, though, on the other hand, the 7 2 freshman center, I'm all in on him. I think he should be a first rounder if he declares this year. It's kind of like a draft and stash situation with him but you know what it reminds me of just a little bit uh, i don't think he's quite at that level but remember when the thunder took steven adams yeah, with a late lottery exactly. pick and everyone was like he didn't even play that much at pit yeah right. he's huge i kind of see that parallel that is that's the best comp i could possibly make and i i told you this yesterday i think he'd be sick for the thunder because if you are playing a Jokic or Embiid or one of these powerful centers you're obviously going to need someone to match up with them, not Chad Holmgren. That, that's just what it is. He's 7-2. His per 36 numbers are insane. 19 points, 15 and a half rebounds, and five blocks. He can run the floor really, really well, like a gazelle at his size. Just a big body. And as we get closer to the draft, you'll see a trend in my board this year. I'm starting to put a little more value on these centers. So we've seen Walker Kessler step in and be impactful. Same it's with true. Mark Mitchell. And then when our top three MVP is all seven footers, I just think you need some guys to counteract that. So I'm kind of, you know, giving these centers a little more weight this year. What about, I think he's more of a power forward, but what about Sonogo? You think he's got a chance? I do think he's got a chance, um, but... I believe he's a junior. He could come back, right? Yeah, I think he's uh, he's either a junior or a senior that's got another year of eligibility because of a COVID year. But, he's a junior. I mean, he looked like the best player on the court. Yeah, he's probably the best player on their team. Like, I think he's worth a shot. Probably second round. Stretch he could definitely play. Ball. I think yeah. That's a good sign. Yeah. Nice touch. Seventy-six percent from the line. Really strong rebounder. Definitely. How about the Arkansas guys? Yeah, man, I'm. I think I'm ready to sell on both of them. Um, I think Anthony I think Anthony Black and Walsh. I mean, Anthony Black and Nick Smith. 
Yeah, Nick Smith, man, I haven't seen enough, but from what I have seen, I haven't been impressed. Anthony Black, I think there is potential there, but I don't know if I would take either of these guys top 10. I really don't. Okay, I am buying Anthony Black just because I, I don't know how I feel about... Actually, I'm holding. I think he's for sure lotto. He has plus size at the point guard position, and he did a hell of a job denying Grady Dick the ball. If that's what he can do on defense and also guard point guards, that guy is going to stick on the floor. I mean, we saw Dyson Daniels carve out a role for himself in year one. I think he's a similar mold there, and he is also fearless in attacking the basket. So he can get to the line. We'll see the offensive game come along later on. But Nick Smith, I'm with you. I'm selling. He's out of the lottery for me. Too inconsistent. Definitely should still go first round, but just have not seen enough from him. And he was kind of invisible in the tourney. Yeah, like if let's say OKC ends up with like the 13th or 14th pick and they took either of these guys. I mean, Black, I would be more OK with, but I wouldn't be thrilled. I, I wouldn't be like overwhelmed with excitement by any means. I would be pissed off if they took Smith. They have they I mean, <laughs> He is the trade in archetype. They don't, yeah, they don't need that position, but no. Um, I'm I'm excited to talk more draft stuff once we get closer because my philosophy has changed a little bit and I haven't told you about it. Um, I I wouldn't be upset with Anthony Black for OKC. What about Jordan okay, Walsh well, though? Really quick, I was gonna say you mentioned Grady Dick. How are you feeling about your boy after you know you mentioned it? He kind of got yeah. shut down and was totally non-existent against Arkansas. Well, he did declare and broke my heart. Uh, (laughs) He's officially going to be an NBA player next year. I'm not too concerned about it. Um, Bill Self was not coaching that game. I'm not trying to like dump on Norm Roberts, but I do think if Bill is coaching, both Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson are getting more opportunities in that second half. Jordan Walsh, who I think would probably get drafted if he left this year because he's an absolute menace on defense. Shut Jalen Wilson down. It was a bad game from him. I mean, he he really just couldn't get that many shots up because Walsh was terrifying him. Um, Grady, though, like still top 20 for me. The shooting's too good. He works hard off the ball. I mean, he follows his own shot. How many people that play basketball actually do that anymore? I just think he's too heady and he's going to be fine. Yeah, I I don't think I would take him in the lottery. I He's an interesting one to watch. I mean, realistically, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. A team could take him eighth or ninth overall. He could fall to the very end of the first round. I think he's one, you know, kind of like we talked about outside of that top tier. It just gets so wide open. I don't really know what to make of him. And I do think that he is somewhat huntable on defense and, I just don't feel like he's going to be the guy to generate his own shot. He's going to be somewhat dependent on whoever it is that's running the offense. He's part of the team. But then again, you know, shooting, that's a skill that you don't lose. He's going to have value no matter what. I just never see him being more than the fifth or fourth or fifth best player on a good team. Yeah, and that's why he's not going top 10 for me. Uh, But like you said, I mean, the shooting is there. He has the pedigree being national player of the year out of high school. And when I think of role, I think, will Kitty be similar to Kevin Herter? I think so. Coming around uh, handoffs, getting into a shot quickly. 
I don't ever think you're right. Like you are right. I don't think he's ever going to be putting the ball on the floor and taking it all the way to the basket. But if we're talking one, two dribbles, getting into a shot, pump fake, repositioning himself, that's all going to be there. He's going to expand his game a little bit. He'll be fine. Yeah. And I think worst case scenario, he finds himself in a role like a Grayson Allen where it's like, okay, you're, you know, second or third guy off the bench. Let's see if you can get hot and knock down a flurry of threes when you come in. Like that's probably worst case scenario. Yeah. I I really think he's going to have a 10 year career at least. All right. A few other guys. I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Marquise Noel and what he was able to do in this tournament. He has declared. We've had the conversations in our group chats about it. Of like he is only five, eight, but then again, I mean, with what he's able to do, creating a shot and also playmaking for others, I think he'll go second round. I think a team will take a shot on him. I don't know if he's ever really going to carve out a role in the NBA, but he could be a microwave guy off the bench where he plays five, six minutes and you see if he can get hot and knock down a couple threes and is what it is. But rooting for him. I mean, the tournament run was absolutely unreal. Yeah, I, I think... If you follow G League TV on Instagram in a couple of years, you'll see Marquis Noel's <laughs> averaging 23.8 and 12 assists. I agree you with know, that. Something like that. And then he'll go to Europe and live a great life, making a little over a million dollars a year. I have some rapid fire guys for you. Tell me buy, hold, sell. If you want to expand right. on them, please do. First one is Keontae George. I'm selling. You too. Out of the lottery. I don't think he can defend. That's that's exactly it for me. Who is he guarding at the next level? I don't know. And if he can't score 20 a night, what is his role? I think best case scenario, he's Jordan Clarkson. After that, I don't know. Can't play I, him next. I'm with you. Can't play him next to a smaller point guard. Kyrie or anyone like that. Yeah. Steph. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Zach Eady. Oh, I'm bro. That's <laughs> get out of here. That's an auto sell. That guy will never play at the next level. This guy's coming back next year, but Tyrese Proctor. I'm buying Proctor. I like what we saw from him in that Tennessee game. Roach got in foul trouble. Duke did not have anyone that could create. And I mean, he, for about 10 minutes, got red hot and kept them alive where it looked like they might even come back and win. The guy's 18 years old. I think he probably would have been late lottery just because of the potential. We talked about this a little bit Mm -hmm. um, off the mic where when you've got a guy that young that shows that much potential, it's worth a flyer. Uh, I think good for him that he's coming back to school. He should be really damn good for Duke next year. And I wouldn't be surprised when he comes out after a sophomore year at 19, he could be a top 10 pick very well. Yeah, I would go ahead and throw him in the lottery if I had to make a board for next year right now. Kyle Filipowski. I'm buying as well. I wish we would have seen a little bit more in the tournament, but I think he's a seven footer that can stretch the floor. He can knock down the three ball. I think he's got an opportunity to be somewhat dangerous in the pick and roll and he can pop from the elbow. He's also not terrible footwork wise, where if he does get switched on guards, it's not ideal, but he's not going to get totally embarrassed where you can just go at him left and right. And he does have that length and athleticism where he can make up ground and block some shots from behind. So I like Filipowski. He's one kind of like we talked about Grady Dick. I think he could go anywhere in the first round damn near, 
but I like him to go late lottery. I think there will be a team that takes a takes a stab with him. He can put on weight. His footwork can get even better. You know, we're talking about a guy like Klingon and making Steven Adams comps. I don't see why Filipowski wouldn't to an extent be in that same mold. Here's one who is flying up boards, and I'm excited to hear your opinion. Derek Lively. <sighs> Man, hold probably. I think it's tough to say. I wish we would have seen a couple more games in the tournament, but Duke's team this year was just weird, man. I mean, Lively and Whitehead, I hoped for so much more. He has a long way to go on offense, but we saw him dominate a few games defensively. He looked good defensively. Yeah, Yeah. he can cover the hell out of a pick and roll and teams value that. He should be able to rim run if he's playing with a good good OKC pick. Yeah, he could play next to Chet. He belongs in the first round, in my opinion. Um, a couple more, and let's move it over. Brandon Miller. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't want to say sell because apparently he was not a hundred percent, and I can't remember if it was a hammy or a groin. But supposedly he was pretty hampered by whatever it was. But I mean, he had a piss poor, embarrassing tournament. For being honest, I think the guy probably shot like 16% from the floor in the three games he played. It was pretty pathetic where I'm, I may be ready to move Scoot Henderson back up above him. I don't want to overreact, but if Miller would have had a good tournament showing and been the guy that everyone expected him to be, I'd be saying no doubt Locked he's the number two. two pick. Yeah, I don't feel that way anymore. Case and Wallace. Uh, I'm still buying. I'm still buying. Wanted to see a little bit more with Kentucky, but I'm still buying. Last one, Jaime Hawkes. Oh, I'm buying. You know, we both love him. I mean, what he did in the tournament, I think the guy deserves to go late lottery. He does not have, or excuse me, not late lottery. He should go at least late first. Um, I don't think he'll go lottery, but if I were a team picking at 13 or 14 and I needed a wing, a forward who could generate some offense and just bring a level of toughness to our team, I like Hawkes a lot. He's never going to be the most athletic guy on the floor, but he can hold his own defensively and he's got a jumper. And frankly, he can create his own shot where he might be a second unit guy realistically. But even if you're into the shot clock, he might not be your best option out there. I feel like you could throw the ball to him on the wing, on the block, anywhere, and he's going to get up a decent quality jump shot. I don't think their games are similar, but I think he can be like Jay Crowder where he can play as a role guy on a playoff team. How about Kyle Anderson? Sure, yeah, I like that too. That's kind of the vibe that I get, yeah. (laughs) Love me some slow-mo. All right, well, UConn, seven-and-a-half-point favorite tomorrow night over your hometown team, San Diego State. You taking Mm -hmm. the points? We'll see. I feel like I probably should just because um, got a few work things to sort through because, um, yeah, I, there's there's a lot of people who don't want to work tomorrow night right now. And so I'm that. trying to make sure that our bases are covered so I can enjoy you should, the game. Your, your, your league should be canceled tomorrow night. That's well, we would cancel solution. everything except, as I mentioned before, it's rained so damn much where out of the last five Mondays, I think we've only played one week. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't uh San Diego doesn't do too well with rain. Everything floods. So working mm. through that. Two guys I want to ask you about really quick before we move over. First one, Isaiah Wong. 
Do you think he has a chance yeah, to possibly be a role guy in the league? I do take a chance on him in the second round. And mm-hmm. from everything I've heard, he is a extremely intelligent person. So that's something I would want to bet on. Um, I, I'll give him a shot for sure. Bye. Okay. And then what about AJ Hogard? He was someone to me that just impressed in the tournament. I couldn't even tell you if there's a chance he could declare and go to the draft this year if he's coming back. But just he passed the eye test. And I think he's someone that I would be willing to take a shot on in the second round if he were there. Yeah. uh, Kansas played Michigan State last year, I believe. And he was the one guy that stood out to me watching that game. So I think he's a solid player. Again, I don't know enough to like say where he would land on my board right now. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I I can't even figure out if he's going back to school or if he's going to declare or what, but that's a guy I'm going to keep an eye on. Because if he does declare, I think he's got a lot of potential with his size and how easily he was able to get into the paint and create Mm -hmm. offense. He's someone that I think could have a shot to succeed at the next level. Yeah, six assists a game too. All right, let's do this. Let's talk new CBA. What do the folks need to know, Jackson? There's There's some big changes here. Tell me what's the most fun, exciting one for you. I think it's got to be the midseason tournament. I mean, this looks like it will go into effect potentially as soon as next year. Uh, the games are going to count every game except the championship of the the midseason tourney, from what I understand, will count for records. Uh, cash prizes going to the top teams in terms of, I think it's the winner and second place team are awarded a cash prize, and they're still working on figuring out what those exact amounts are. 500000 per player and coach for the winning team. That'll get you out of bed. You know, that'll, <laughs> that'll get you excited to play, especially if you're a two-way guy. Uh, I think that's something that's interesting in terms of specifically the luxury tax. That's a big area of focus here where now the teams that are in the second tier of the tax don't get a mid-level exception. I'm not sure if that's going to be the taxpayer mid-level or just any mid-level at all. Uh, no buyout guys. So, that, you know, that's like your, huge. Yeah, your sons, your warriors, those teams that are going to be up at the tax they're not going to be able to write Clippers. That's the another Clippers one. wouldn't have been Lakers. able to sign Russell Westbrook. Prime example of how this is going to impact things going forward. Yep. It's going to be pretty interesting. Going to go into effect next year. And then also teams that are at that threshold within the tax, they can't trade their first round pick seven years out. So that's something where a lot of teams like the Lakers, for example, they wouldn't have been able to possibly make the trade they did this year. Um, They had another first they could have used, but that's still something that's going to impact teams quite a bit. Uh, Just just a few other big things. The top contending teams or top paying teams can't use to stay at the top of the league and something else that kind of goes with that so some contract stuff here now there is no limit on supermax deals and also contract extensions instead of being capped at going up 120 percent year over year can now go up 140 percent so no limit on supermaxes and you can give out bigger extensions but you're also being penalized for being in that tax. It's going to make the teams really have to make some tough decisions, you know, like the Lakers, the Clippers, the Suns, the Warriors, so many of these teams, the Bucks that have all of these high dollar players, they got some stuff to figure out over the next few seasons. Yeah. And uh, with the contract extension increase from 120 to 140, two guys that that would have impacted or, or might Lori Markinen and OG Ananobi 
close to max guys when they got their last deal. If they could have got 140% or a 140% raise, maybe they're more likely to stick around with the team they're at currently. So that's another thing that should Mm -hmm. help small market teams. Um, I want to talk about adding another two way spot. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Currently the last two guys on your 15 man roster can be two way players. Now you can have three two way guys at a time. And I mean, if you don't know what this is, you can play in the G league and in the NBA, the best examples of this, Austin Reeves, Alex Caruso, Duncan Robinson, and Max Struess from Jaden Hardy for the Mavs is one this year. Um, Lou Dort and Jose Alvarado, also former two-way players that have found a real role in the league. So just creating another opportunity for, say, a Marquise Noel, something like that. True. It's a good point. And then a few other things, uh, all NBA stuff. I like what was done here. That's a huge it's now going to be positionless. We've talked about that a lot. I think that was that was a much needed change. And then now there's a 65 game minimum to be voted all NBA. This should reduce the resting and, the and load management. To be oh, eligible the award. So, for MVP, oh. rookie of the year, most improved. You have to okay. hit that 65 game limit. I think that's huge. And with the positionless all NBA, that means it's not just two guards, two forwards and a center. So this year, Giannis Embiid and Jokic could all be first team all NBA, which they deservedly should be. It wouldn't be Embiid or Jokic being forced to third team because there's only right. one center slot. And this will go into effect next year, correct? Or yeah. is this going to be for voting this year? Okay, for next year. Yeah, the 23-24 season kicks this off. Who who the hell decides what the position designations are for these guys anyway? I don't know, but I would call Luca a point guard or like I mean, yeah. you could call Luca almost anything. And I mean, He's KD you could argue <laughs> 2 through 4 like yeah. there's there's a lot. Well, and I mean, you could even you could make the argument that Jokic is a point guard. You really yeah. could. Yeah. So that was that one was just long overdue. Um, and also like the Supermax thing, you just you kind of hinted at that one. So a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers have two Supermax guys already in Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Because they made an mm-hmm. all-NBA team, they were eligible for it. It would be extremely hard for them. Or actually, they wouldn't have been able to keep Evan Mobley if he makes an all-NBA team because they wouldn't have been able to have three Supermax players. Now there's no limit. They can do it. This is potentially big for OKC as well. If you believe in Josh Giddy, Jalen Williams, or Chet Holmgren, maybe one day they make an All-NBA team, and we can have three of them. So huge moves. Feels a lot like uh, the NFL, where you're going to have a new team coming out of nowhere, contending every, every single year, or half the team's falling out of the playoffs. Yeah, I think these are all very positive changes. And then the last one that I think is pretty interesting, or at least the last that we have heard so far, more additions keep coming out. Um, I think a lot of this is still being finalized and in the works, but players can now invest in NBA and WNBA teams. They can also promote and or invest in cannabis and sports gambling. So the NBA is getting with the times. Those are pretty darn big changes. And I think that's possibly going to be something that other major sports leagues look to adopt in the near future. 
The one thing I disagree with is letting players be promoters or invest in gambling just because like I don't want just you name a guy representing DraftKings and then me betting on him and then him like swinging it or something. I, I just let's keep you, you just think it's getting some shady stuff it's happening. A little maybe? hairy when you already had the whole Tim Donahue. But it already thing. is. It already is, you know? Like let's just be more transparent with it. May, yeah, maybe it works out well. More money for the players, less for the owners. Exactly. Cool. More more money nonetheless. And they are all I mean, the players hate gambling because I mean you hear about it the other day, like Bradley Beal and what happened, like oh, the players dude. outside of the stadium cursing him out, like you messed up my parlay, you owe me all this money. I think maybe if they're able to profit from the sports gambling, they might become a little bit more apathetic and okay, you know what? I'm at least getting paid from DraftKings or whatever. I'm not going to be as upset if I do get a little here or there from a fan about, you know, them missing a bet or whatever. The Bradley Beal thing is ridiculous. He's it was someone's pressing charges because he said like you screwed up my parlay or whatever and he said Beale some derogatory stuff too. And it was yeah. Yeah. It was disrespectful. It was uncalled for. Like people just think they can say whatever they want. Uh, he should be getting charges pressed against him for thinking he's he can even do that. Yeah, hopefully, whatever stadium this was at, they look into possibly banning him because he shouldn't be. Yeah, and yeah. he's going to benefit from that. If, if he that's... gets a penny from Bradley Beal, I'm I'm going to be mad. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Any other notes on the new CBA updates? No, I think we hit all the big things and we will be back a lot sooner than we were between these <laughs> yeah. two episodes. The The uh, race to the end of the NBA season has been awesome. Every game is mattering in the Western Conference. So got some good ones tonight. Yeah, we'll be talking a lot of NBA on the next podcast. I am sure. Jackson, you got anything else? No. Um, shout out Uncle Pete. So yeah. big news there. Let's I got to go. break it for you, but uh, Uncle Peter, man, it's a game changer. It is a game changer, man. FOE, FOE. I'm I'm very excited to be an uncle. Um, crazy the just 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 crazy seeing the whole baby process up close. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine, man. Congrats to your family. That's exciting. Yeah, thank you. My sister is a warrior after uh, hearing about <laughs> the labor stories and whatnot. Anyways, that's too much information you all for you all. <laughs> if you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating. We will be back next week. Peace.